0: You see the picture on Instagram of the mom that's at home making cookies with her four-year-old and two-year-old. And the picture is like this perfect plate of cookies and everyone is smiling. But what you didn't see was two hours before that, somebody pooped on the floor and the four-year-old is screaming and defiant.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And you don't see any of her cookies that are like flat and burnt. Right they're perfectly formed and beautiful. And whether they taste good or not, in the picture, they (laughs) look like they taste delicious.
0: Yes, absolutely. Today on the podcast, we have my very own wife, Kim Nielsen. And we have an episode today focused on the challenges of being a young mom we have a lot of young moms at the vine and their experience is not identical we know that for sure but there are some main themes that may be consistent for most young moms and because this is a large demographic of our church we wanted to address the unique challenges and um, encouragement for you if you're a young mom or for if you're a husband that wants to uh, come alongside your wife for the sake of her blessing so hope you enjoy this episode today So I'm thinking of someone in the age range, 25 to 34, um, two small kids, and the unique stage in life that that is. And I thought about you because we're um, a little beyond that stage. Not saying we're old. I'm just saying we're beyond that stage. We're kind of the old people of our church, though. We're getting
1: up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Basically, you're the grandma of the church?
1: I did get called to grandma a couple of days ago. <laughs> a little facetiously, but still.
0: Well, probably closer to grandma than we are t- to being parents. Mama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that would be interesting. Um, so anyway, you've lived through that stage. Yep. And we have four kids. Um, let's see, 17, 15, <laughs> almost 13 and 11 and a half. Yeah. Right. So I would love to just hear you right off the bat. Like, what do you think as you reflect on those years and you reflect on what you've observed in, um, young moms, like what would you say are some of the unique challenges that young moms in our generation face?
1: Yeah. I was just talking about this with a friend, how, um, I just, I would be in that young mom stage forever it felt like a really long stage Um, but I remember people telling me like oh enjoy this season because it'll be over so quick and when you're in it you don't feel that way at all and it is kind of a fight to enjoy every stage at least for me it was Um, but it does on the other side of it it does feel like oh it does go so fast Um, so I always think Especially in that stage The days seem really long But the weeks Months and years Kind of fly by That's a good Um, way to say it But you can have a lot of What seems like A really long days Where you're just Physically tired Emotionally pretty tired And um, You just have Little ones That need you all the time And so I think you just kind of feel depleted a lot.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Can you paint a picture of, of that, of like those long days?
1: Yeah. I remember, um, we did a lot of college ministry before we had our oldest Taylor. And so I would meet with a lot of college women. I would be out for coffee for a couple of hours and we just, it felt like Oh, this is life in ministry because we're talking about deep things. We're wrestling with scripture and just things of faith, things of life. And then you go to new mom's stage and it's like, where, how, what's this meaning? My day feels long because I wake up, Taylor used to wake up before 6 a.m. Um, and I'm not a morning person. So the day starts for a lot of moms earlier than what they want. Prefer. Prefer. <laughs> Um, and you're, you need to be physically present, but there's not a lot of like deep philosophical life, meaning conversation throughout the day. It's a lot of the mundane. And so for me, at least that could feel really long, um, where, and kind of exhausting, really life giving in a lot of days too. And there's a lot of joy mixed in. But your day, like you're just needed physically. You need to be present. You need to be watchful. You know, kids are going to swallow something or eat something or fall off the stairs if you're not paying attention. You're always on. You're always on and you're always needing to pay attention. And you're kind of always the manager. Um, And so there's not a lot of downtime throughout the day or time to reflect on like the deeper things in life. It's just how can I (laughs) make sure that my children survive the day and um and oftentimes then you know you're getting supper ready then your husband comes home and so then you want to be physically present and mentally present for him you've got children like hanging off of you you know and
0: so it's like before kids it's like you're going to go to the coffee shop and sit there for two hours with a girlfriend or someone you're discipling and it's like contemplating the meaning of you know existence to the glory of god for two hours And then post kids, it's like, I'm just trying to get a shower in.
1: Right. And they feel, I mean, we were really busy before kids too, because we were doing ministry, it was doing school, but you're just, I think it's just different. It's a different busyness.
0: We're not on all the time in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So unique challenge of just the transition is a unique challenge. Um, It's physically exhausting, right? But like, as you think about young women in our culture, I know we've talked about this before too. What are some other challenges?
1: I think the other challenge now that was probably just starting when we started having kids was just social media comparison. Lots of books on parenting, lots of advice, but not always- Like when we were. When we were, Yeah. yeah. But now, I mean, there's still those books, there's still pieces of advice, but now it's like, your every day, if you're on social media, you can compare all the best that everybody is as a wife, a mom, and it looks like I need to do and be all these things. Um, and so you can, there's an incredible amount of pressure mm-hmm. that builds up over time. And you can tell yourself, oh, I I know that's, that's not me or, well, oh, that's so nice that they look that way in the morning or... <laughs> Their meals always look like that and they're doing organic baby food, baby food and sewing all of the clothes so that they're ethically responsible. And I mean, whatever it is like, and those aren't bad, those aren't bad things, but they just can build over time so that there's an underlying, I think, pressure. That's probably different than in generations before because it's just so much more tangible. It's in your everyday. There's so much more access. And it's not just access to like my neighbors and my coworkers and my family. Now I'm comparing myself or can be comparing myself to women worldwide. Right. And that's very different.
0: That's very unique. That is something new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you see the picture on Instagram of the mom that's at home making cookies with her four-year-old and two-year-old. And the picture is like this perfect plate of cookies and everyone is smiling. But what you didn't see was two hours before that, somebody pooped on the floor and the four-year-old is screaming and defiant.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And you don't see any of her cookies that are like flat and burnt. Right. They're perfectly formed and beautiful and whether they taste good or not, In the picture, they look like they taste delicious.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to talk about the issue of comparison specifically for young moms in this day and age. Because as we've talked about, that is something that can be a bit of a plague. Um, and And it can be a bit of a virus because, you know, we talk about the Internet, something going viral. But it can infect our brains in the exact same way. Um, so you're sitting down with a young mom and you're having this conversation. What, what do you say to her? Like, how do you help her deal with comparison?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, everyone is different in what they can do and watch and participate in. Um, but I would say you have to guard your own heart Mm -hmm. and most people if their intake is a ton of social media, that, that comparison builds. And so finding ways, number one, finding ways to place your identity in Christ. It's not in all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's the first thing is like, you have to, you have to know where your identity lies. Um, And then secondly, it's just like, what am I feeding? In what am I feeding my soul with what am I feeding my thoughts with because usually my emotions probably most people especially most women your emotions follow where your thoughts are that's why I take every thought captive right? so if I'm feeding my mind with even images um, of comparison and I'm finding my heart is not rejoicing for that person but I'm feeling little pangs of like oh I didn't do that or oh they're way better than I am then it's probably time for me to back off and watch what my intake is. Mm -hmm. And so it might be, I need to sign out might be, I look once a week. It might be, I look at, you know, certain people. Um, so I think that's one thing. Um, the other thing I, I talk to young moms a lot about is just, there's no way you can be all things to all people. Um, and so, really looking at what has God called me to? What are my gifts? What do I really enjoy? And not feeling like you have to do all those things. And different stages in life, you're not married to who they're married to. And so, their house, their life might look different.
0: And your kids are not their and kids. And your kids are
1: not their kids, and you're not who they are. <laughs> right. And so, it's okay to like glean. I mean, one of the beauties of the internet is like, I get a lot of great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and i'm challenged by a lot of women that I, I is a good healthy thing um but at the same time like maybe i'm not called to make homemade bread at this stage in my life um maybe i want to do that and i don't have a garden or maybe i do paper plate i mean i i literally encouraged a woman who was trying to like raise kids work full time her husband was in school and she was just really struggling. It's like, hey, you know what? Paper plates are okay. Like, use this state. Like, go have a couple of weeks or have one night a week where you do peanut butter and jelly on paper plates. Mm-hmm. Your family's going to be happier because you're going to release that pressure. And you don't have to have, like, a homemade, amazing meal every, every day of the week. Um, that's when I appreciate it. Like when we were in that stage and I was trying to work and we had four kids, you would sometimes just say, Hey, let's have a popcorn night Yeah. or let's do PB and J. I'd rather you be happy and here with us than right. like stressed because you're trying to be this elaborate meal. Yep. Um, so,
0: yep. Yeah. What is mom guilt? <laughs> Cause that's a term that gets thrown yeah. around a lot.
1: I think, I mean, I think, you know, mothering is, is a really important job and it's, it is one of our primary identities, I think, and roles. It's a really beautiful role of raising children and, um, raising up the next generation to bring glory to God and to know him. And so it feels very weighty, um, and it should feel weighty. Um, I think that mom guilt comes when we try to do that in our own strength. And again, that comparison creeps in. And so we come up, think of like with the Pharisees where they, they knew the law, but they, they weren't just keeping the heart of the law. They added all these things to the law so that they could try to do it Mm -hmm. on their own strength um, and know that they could check off the boxes. I, I think for me, that's where the mom guilt comes is I've created this list of expectations for myself of, it might've started with things that were really good and that were biblically focused and, you know, discipline your kids in the way that they should go. Um, I should be talking the gospel with them and they, they start with a really healthy principle, but I add rules in my head to how I accomplish those things. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, I can never live up to that. And so then you have this underlying mom guilt mm-hmm. of like, I'm just not doing this well enough, um, which is the Christian life, right? right? We don't. right? Um, but I remember there's a, we were part of a church that was really, I'm um, looking at a a book, a parenting book that was, you know, fairly new at that stage and um it was had really good principles about gospel-centered parenting when you discipline making sure you go back to the gospel with your kids the why of why you're disciplining really good things but i remember feeling like oh i've become legalistic in my grace-based parenting like it's become a weight instead of freedom mm-hmm. and this joy that I get to share the gospel with my kids when I discipline them and remind myself of what the gospel is and where my standing is that it's not with what I do. I can't ever achieve enough. I can't obey enough. You know, it, and that's why Christ came like r- letting it remind myself of the gospel. It became of like a checklist to me, like, mm-hmm. Oh no, I I corrected them and I didn't give them the gospel in it. And so it became this like guilt ridden thing instead of like, this is supposed to bring freedom and right. the principle and it's supposed to be this really beautiful thing. Um, so even really good things you can make legalistic or a to-do list.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And to take the heart out of it and just make it into a chore. Yeah. You know, that's connected somehow to my right standing with the Lord.
1: Right. I'm never achieving enough as a mom. I think that's where that's where mom guilt comes comes from. I don't I'm not doing this well enough and yeah. I'm gonna ruin my kids. Is right. what it and, feels and, like.
0: And you can see where that happens because parenting is a high stakes endeavor right. in one sense, right? Um of course it's not all up to you and you can't control these from a Christian theological perspective, you can't change anybody's heart, and you're never going to be the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, the Bible's clear that we have a responsibility yeah. towards our kids. And so in that sense, the stakes are high. Like, we, how many people do we know that, you know, and even in our own stories, you know, there's 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 wounds, you know, um, from just living in a fallen world with fallen families. And our yeah. kids will have the same thing, you know, from us, ways that we were deficient and, and whatever. So there's... Without question, there is impact associated with parenting that's very unique. And so in that sense, you can see where mom, mom guilt comes in because the stakes are high. Yep. You're comparing yourself to all the stuff you're seeing on social media. And you have a culture that says that you should be able to raise a bunch of kids, uh, go work to the gym, time. work full time, raise amazing. a bunch of kids, look great all the time, um, have a great marriage... And make great meals and, you know, and just be super mom. And that just isn't, I mean, that's unique in the history of the world. Yes. And so you can see where the guilt comes, right? Yep. So what would you say, we won't divulge your current age, (laughs) not that it's that big of a deal, but, you know, you're a a few years beyond your 25, no, let's say your 28-year-old self what would the current day Kim say to her 28-year-old self working a lot, two small kids? If you could give counsel to to 28-year-old Kim, yep. what would you say?
1: I think it would be release the pressure balloon. Like, just pop it. Pop it. Um, How do we do that, though? It's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Um, I think I think part of it is like, yeah, enjoy this phase. It's like, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, but I think part of that trying again is the, the identity piece is like, am I? It, it, life might not look that different, but my attitude could be very different depending on where I'm placing my worth and my, what I'm placing my worth and my identity, where I'm getting that from. I and mean, we've talked about this even when we were 28. And it was like, I mean, you just fight. You have to fight against those thoughts and those tendencies. But I think a lot of moms, 28-year-old Kim, just felt an underlying pressure to do it all well. And some of that's really good. You want to do your roles, what God has called you to, with excellence. Um, but I think again that identity of like this isn't where my identity is though Mm -hmm. i do these things out of the overflow of what god has done and is doing in my life and in his strength but like this isn't where my worth comes from and so when i fail it just means that i your identity is not wrapped up into it and there's not as much pressure and i think with parenting knowing like people give lots of advice, even well-meaning advice and lots of little comments. Um, you can feel when you're under pressure expectations that can feel really heavy Mm -hmm. and you can, um, either feel guilt or you can feel pride or whatever it is. Um, you can weight those too heavily instead of like, Oh, that's, that's helpful and, and move forward. Um, so the pressure and I think, I mean, I think we like talked, you
0: get one piece of advice from someone and, and you're like,
1: I'm not doing that right. or, you know, and, and it wasn't just,
0: intended to be a weight.
1: Yeah. It's just like how your kids are sleeping and how they're behaving or your toddler throws a fit in the middle of the church and you feel like this pressure. Um, and so that means that oftentimes then my tone is different with my kids because I'm, I'm really not doing it for them or to please the Lord, I'm I know that everybody's watching me. So it becomes a performance. So it becomes a performance yeah. too. So um, Colossians three I felt feel like has a lot of I was actually just reading this again in my older self, but I think that's the chapter I would give to 28 year old Kim is mm-hmm. Colossians three because it talks, a lot about how your life is hidden with christ so there's that it starts with identity mm-hmm. and then it continues with like you take off the old like this is not who you have to be you put on the new mm-hmm. and that's in but remembering like you're hidden in christ and so you can't do this perfectly but within christ like it looks perfect yeah regardless and then at the end in you know, Colossians three twenty three and 24, it just talks about serving, like you're doing it with excellence, but you're serving the Lord, not man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's really important that like, yeah, people are watching you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to say that they weren't, but they are watching you. Um, but if I can keep my heart where I'm like, I'm really serving the Lord, then again, it releases the pressure and then when I discipline or encourage or do whatever with my kids just from a different place
0: Amen well said Let's switch gears a little bit to talk about marriage in this stage um, Because as we know kids bring a massive tran- transition, right? Yep For those that might be struggling in that transition or what What do you remember about that transition in terms of our marriage?
1: The first thing I remember that just popped in while you we were talking was when we had first had Taylor and he was a newborn mm-hmm. and we, there was some movie that we wanted to watch and we're like, oh yeah, we should like go out to this movie spontaneous. spontaneously. Yeah. And then we realized like, w- wait a second, we're never going to make that because we would have to like get a sitter have them come over. We'd have to, you know, like it was just like, oh, spot, we can't do this spot. The way I remember that
0: story is that we were basically like kind of walking out the yeah. door. And there's this baby in a and car like, seat sleeping. And we're like, wait, we can't just walk out the door right now. <laughs> like it was like this stark realization that, yeah. oh, we're parents now. It's not like a dog you put in the kennel.
2: Right.
1: So I think like just knowing like you're going to have to plan for things and for interactions with your spouse that you used to probably do more spontaneously.
0: So more intentionality.
1: More intentionality.
0: Yeah, that's good because these little humans that live in your house now, they um, will take as much as you give. Right. And, And of course, that's a really, really good thing and that's what parenting is supposed to be, that you sacrifice and lay down your life for your kids. But at the same time, there is reason to want to protect your marriage as well right and that's not at the expense of your kids
1: It is for the benefit of your kids
0: yeah unpack that
1: I feel like we've I've made parenting I've kind of given it a bad rap um, it is a joy and it's a joy for littles like we talk about like it will be so fun to be grandparents again because again you don't have the, as much pressure you've experienced those stages before. So I feel like that's why grandparenting is so fun because you get to go back to that stage. You kind of remember it, but it's from a different stage. Um, So there is a lot of joy in each stage. Um, Littles, elementary, teens, Mm -hmm. there's really beautiful things in each of those stages. And so to enjoy that, I think marriage-wise, um, you know, kids do watch their parents mm-hmm. and they, they glean what does it mean to have a relationship? What does it mean to communicate? What does it mean to love someone? Mainly from their parents. And mm-hmm. hopefully they're getting other examples of that. But, um, you know, they pick up all of that f- first from their parents not words, just watching. Mm-hmm. And so I think that relationship is really, I mean, that's why it's so vital and there's stability. It's also going to last past when your kids are out of the house. Right. And so even though it feels like this parenting stage, especially parenting littles is so long. I mean, now we're at 22 years and it's like, Oh gosh, we're, Where we're looking going? at empty nesters almost. I mean, we still have a ways, but just realizing how fast that's gone and then how much God willing we have left of marriage after the kids are out of the house. Right. And so, um, just making sure that relationship stays, I think, you know, it can go both ways. Like I remember the little years feeling like, gosh, you're so physically tired, but you also have had someone kind of especially depending on the kid. I remember one of our kids like literally was like attached to my leg um, at all times. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you have someone just touching you, talking to you, needing you at all times. And it's easy to just feel like then you have nothing left for your husband. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so making sure you find ways to, for me again, it was thoughts like I needed the kids when we did like strict quiet time like if you're not napping you're still quiet in your room playing drawing for at least 45 minutes right because i needed that time for my own thoughts so mm-hmm. that i wasn't empty mm-hmm. when you came home and just kind of like don't touch me
2: <laughs> don't talk to me yeah
0: yeah um that's good. That's really good. There's there's definitely um a lot there, but what I'm hearing you say is just we have to have boundaries even in our parenting um because these kids are going to grow up and be gone, but we're still going to be married and living in the same house. Yeah. So the worst-case scenario is you've had no boundaries in your parenting from your kids and um at the expense of your marriage. Yeah. And then they grow up and move out and you hardly know how to be married anymore because it's been literally all about them. Now don't hear what I'm, wait, how's that go? Um,
2: don't don't hear what what I'm I'm not saying. saying,
0: Yeah. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, that we're not talking about, um, any form of neglect or anything like that, but there, it is possible to make your kids for a variety of heart motivations, uh, idols. Yeah. And, um, so we just have to be, be very, very careful that our marriage, as best we can, um, is is thriving through, and that just takes work. It really does, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I r- always really have appreciated you talk about this a lot. Date night, and you know, we needed to do like date night just us, and then sometimes we needed to do like a family night where we were just all together at home. Mm-hmm. But I think that was that's been really helpful for us is having a date night where you're away from your kids. For many years, we did every other week with another family. So we didn't have to hire a babysitter. And that was really fun. And then maybe you should talk about overnight date night.
0: Yes, that is a game changer. So when your kids are um, able to spend the night at someone's house, if you're okay with that, um, so like maybe, I don't know, three or older, we started doing uh, an overnight date night swap with another family, with a family that had similar age kids. So the kids just kind of played together and were pretty autonomous in some sense besides just meals. And then instead of a two-hour date night, you would get, quote, an overnight date night, maybe drop the kids off at 5 p.m., pick them up the next day at like 11 before lunch. And so then you get whatever that is, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours instead of two hours. And it was like this just little oasis. And we would alternate months with another family. And so we recommend overnight date night where they would take the kids one month and we would take the kids the next month. Um, So eight kids, you know, it sounds overwhelming, but honestly, when the kids get to a certain age, um, they're pretty autonomous and they just play and it's actually not that hard at all.
1: Yeah. It's really fun because you get to see your kids interacting with other kids and you get to have kids in your home for an extended time too. So I felt like we got to... Yep. I don't know. It was just different. Yep. Um, But it was... Wonderful for us.
0: Yep. So, um, yeah, just a, it's like a reprieve, like a little respite. Um, and that was a huge blessing to us. We would look forward to that. Like I remember looking forward to that, like when's overnight date night, you know, it's, it's such a blessing. So, you know, along the, the lines of like marriage and maintaining health, you know, you were alluded to it, but it'd be good to talk about it some more is just the sexual relationship in marriage during those little years, you know, can be, just different than before you had kids. Yeah. And how would you talk to a young mom struggling with that or a married couple trying to navigate that? Yeah,
1: I think it's helpful to talk about it as a couple and f- for both of you to understand where the other person is coming from. So mm-hmm. you can help each other instead of be opponents or, um. yeah just frustrated with each other um, so I think it was helpful for you to know like hey I've I just feel like I have been like touched by someone all day so it's kind of it's just hard it's like the last thing I want even though I do want want it and I want to serve in that way like it's that's just hard and it was it doesn't mean you don't still have sex and don't still have do foreplay and stuff but it was helpful for me for you to know that mm-hmm. um, and for me to be able to say like, I just had a rough day today, probably not today. And then I think that's where the intentionality and planning sometimes comes into like
2: in, and communication and communication. Yeah. So
1: it's like, yeah, we might not be able to be as spontaneous and I might not have like. Might not be, oh, we went on this wonderful day hike and then we had a picnic and then we had this romantic, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as drawn out as maybe before kids. Um, and so knowing like sometimes it needs to be planned and sometimes it's like, again, I need, if I, if I know that we've planned it, so whether well, it's like Tuesday, it's business time. Um <laughs> Then also it helped me to sometimes, okay, like I don't want to just always do this out of obedience or just dry planning. Sure. But like, then I can also think, okay, how can I set my mind? How can I dwell on things throughout the day so that I'm thinking about it? And then that would often change desires as well that can right. follow.
0: Yep. That's good. That's really helpful. So again, it's just another one of those things where sounds like we just need to pursue intentionality and it's, it's okay that things have a natural ebb and flow. And this, you know, I've talked to couples in their sixties or seventies and your sexual relationship will evolve and change, you know, as long as you're together and that's not bad. It's normal.
1: Can I give the steak?
0: What's that? Oh yeah.
1: This was one of Zach's things to share with couples um like sometimes you have steak for dinner and sometimes it's pb and j and that was like sexual relationship too like sometimes it's steak and it's amazing and then sometimes it's okay that it's just pb and j and that was helpful again it releases that pressure but you know Mm -hmm. balloon and actually makes it more enjoyable
0: yeah And, and one of the things we've talked about um now, There's nuance that's required here, of course, that we probably shouldn't take time to get into. But like, you know, in some ways, a sexual relationship um, can in a marriage can be like a maintenance kind of thing. Like and we've mm-hmm. talked about sex as obedience. Now, that sounds kind of dumb and does not very ideal. But in terms of if we think about why God theologically, why he created sex it's a picture of the joining of two people just like christ is joined to the church in this mysterious union and in marriage we model that physically of the two becoming one and so just in the act of two becoming one that's a good thing yeah. whether it's this hollywood you know sensationalized event or not that's neither here nor there but but to make a priority out of um, re-imaging the, the created purpose for sex in just simply two bodies being joined together, that's a really good thing. Yeah. And there's always going to be ups and downs with the, quote, performance of it. And, yeah. And, you know, Hollywood won't tell you that, but it's just reality, and I it's think, very normal.
1: Yeah, and I think with that, there's the physical coming together, but there's also the practice of, like, we're loving each other, we're serving one another. Right. I'm thinking, you know, like Philippians 2, I'm thinking not of selfish ambition, but I'm putting your, I'm thinking of others' interests before my own. Right. And if both of you are doing that, and and that's why it takes communication, Um, that's, that's even more of the becoming one, not just physically, but like spiritually and emotionally as well.
0: Yep. Yep. That's really good. Another issue I want to talk about was just i'm I'm not super up on this because i don't run in these circles obviously as a male and as a dad but i from what i've gathered is on facebook probably or m- maybe just in certain churches um there are certain hot issues mm-hmm. that mothers feel very strongly about um one of them would be like vaccines mm-hmm. um can you think of other ones? Maybe schooling choices?
1: Yeah, probably schooling choices. I think like food choices for your kids, like what they eat and is it natural? Is it not? And what sure. snacks? Um, probably sleep early on.
0: Right. Sleep what philosophies. What sleep
1: philosophies look like. Um, I do not I do feel like they kind of change, so I might be a little out of it actually too. Sure. Um, but... Yeah, those are, so it's kind of anything caring for your children could become a hot button. Yeah. Like,
0: and it makes sense because what do we care about more than these yeah. kids in this
1: world? Discipline, you, like, how you discipline your kids. Sure. Do you spank? Do you not spank? Timeouts. What do timeouts look like? Yep. For, like free range kids versus like structured kids.
0: Yes. So I don't really want to dive into all of those issues. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, let's go point by point. Kim, <laughs> Go. Convince everyone, um no, but like how so you you're again, imagine you're sitting down with that twenty eight year old woman at our church, and she's just like, gosh, I'm raiding all this stuff on people are raging about vaccines pro or or yeah. against, or raging about whatever uh, schooling choices, or you know do I do all natural you know whatever Or not, and one mom lets her kids eat Cheetos all day, and the other mom is like saying that her kids are
1: vegetables, green juice, and spinach. Yeah,
0: exactly. Only spinach. Um, How do you help her?
1: It's a great question. Um, One, I think it's again take every thought captive. So, what? Where's the information coming from, and has it become? Um, have I placed other laws that aren't biblical laws? Um, And so I have to think through what is the biblical principle? Is this a biblical law? Is it a principle? And then like, is there freedom within this biblical principle of what it actually looks like? Mm -hmm. And that's important because I think a lot of times, at least for me, I make things a law. I make things an expectation that I need to uphold and it becomes it becomes kind of an, an identity again it becomes something that's like so, so important to me and it's really a great issue it's not a black and white issue but I make it a black and white so issue.
0: for example um I mean it's look, I, I, there's
1: like a thousand do you want to give me an example yeah, just like
0: schooling choices so for example oh, the biblical principle is
1: the principle is that parents are in charge of educating their children mm-hmm. that they're supposed to raise their children to know right and wrong to know the lord to be for the glory of god so they should be involved in the education of their children mm-hmm. their primary influence in their children's life you see that in deuteronomy you know right. all over um but if i make a law like that means that you have to homeschool or that means that you have to, I don't know teach them certain specific, like I need to be the one teaching the math, or I need to be the one doing all of the character training with them. Yeah. Um, like it can look different. That principle looks different in different people's lives. So there's freedom. There's freedom in that and there can be really good options. Um, And so, but if I, I could also go the other way where I'm just like, well, it doesn't matter. It does matter. So there's still importance in it. Um, it just can look a variety of ways Mm -hmm. and how you accomplish that.
0: Yeah. So the principle is, uh, train your children in the fear and, and instruction of the Lord um, the practice, there's freedom in the practice. Right. So if I take what some people say as a practice and elevate the practice to the level of principle, that's where I become a slave. Right.
2: And because, if, oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I'll just gonna say because um, the Bible doesn't say that you have to homeschool your kids. Right. Now, that doesn't mean homeschooling is bad. Right. Um, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, whatever your conviction is about whatever Is necessarily bad if it's at the level of practice Um, the things we want to get um, most passionate about are the principles right and then we need to have freedom in the practice
1: yeah and I need to have grace and I need to have love and compassion and I need to be a good listener because I think when you make a choice like we obviously made a schooling choice I mean I, I started a school so it was like I was really passionate about the choice that we made. Right. Um, but when other people make other choices, it can feel like it's a reflection on what you've done. Right. And so that's where it gets so heated. So think, if someone else
0: it, chooses to homeschool, then for whatever reason, even like, though they might Why don't you like
1: our school? You yeah, know, but I they mean, didn't say just, that. They didn't. No, it's just not for them. You know, so, and I think any issue can be like that.
0: Or you can intentionally take something personally, but that person didn't even say anything. Right. You know.
1: Right. Or they make a small comment. I mean, I've talked to women about this too. Um, Like working or not working, stay at home, working part-time, working full-time. Like that can be a really heated issue. And that needs to look different for different people. The the principle is that I'm called to be a wife and a mom. And that... that needs to be more important than my career. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But it doesn't mean I don't have a career for some people. Mm -hmm. For some people, it does need to look like that. And so, but we can take someone's comment that's well-meaning or just something that they commented about their own lives. Like, oh, I've loved staying home with my children. And then the mom who's working feels like she thinks I shouldn't be working. And she takes it really personally. Cause we, we all feel insecure about our choices yeah, and, um, and so just being gracious with each other, um, being like maybe just asking, Hey, you know, what do you, what did you mean by that comment instead mm-hmm. of immediately taking it personally?
0: Right. Um, it seems like this theme though, keeps coming up of just like, I gotta be secure in who I am in Christ. Right. Because if I'm secure in who I'm in Christ, then I don't have to feel defensive. Right. Because I have nothing to defend. Christ is my defender.
1: Well, maybe you should give your little...
0: Yeah, what I say all the time is, I if I'm secure in my identity in Christ, then I have nothing to lose Um. because, you know, Christ has given me everything. So there's nothing I can lose. Um. Nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove to anybody because... I'm secure in Christ. I don't have to prove that my educational choices are the best, or I don't have to prove that my vaccine choices are the best. I don't have to prove whatever because um, everything that's at stake, Christ has been has already achieved for me in the cross, the empty tomb. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, so I can be totally wide open about who I am. I have nothing to hide. I, like There's no part of me that you can't know about. Because I know that I'm there's no condemnation in Christ. I know I'm secure in Christ. So I don't have to hold back. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, and nothing to defend. Because um, Christ is my defender. Um, and so I don't have to be territorial. I don't have to feel defensive every time someone makes a, 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 a practice choice that's different than my practice flowing from a certain principle.
1: Yeah. I think... The other thing I would add um, that, especially as we've gotten older, we've really appreciated when people, I think, ask advice, but even just stories from older people in their lives and not, I mean, that was one thing we had to do when our kids were little because we didn't have, I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't as widespread (laughs) And there weren't like blogs and a bunch of, you know, I just I couldn't type in, com. I couldn't type in like sleep habits and have all this information right. pop up and listen to podcasts and blogs. And you could read books, but primarily we started asking other people who went before us right. and who were in our lives, what did you do? How'd that work? What were the other options? And that was really beautiful. And I would just encourage young moms, dads, to keep doing that even though it's easier in a lot of ways to go to a a website a website yeah. or a, a podcast they don't know you mm-hmm. and it's not nuanced mm-hmm. and there's no follow up mm-hmm. and so and it's it's like the best of the best right um it's just you don't keep having that conversation yep. um and so i think that's really important especially in today's culture like to keep those conversations. I love it when people are ask me questions, even whether I have an answer or not. Um, I think it's just a good conversation of how did you do this? Or why did you do this? Yep. Oh, I love and then to encourage one another, yep. like, Oh, I saw you. I remember it was just a small thing, but I remember I had a woman come up to me. It was like when we had four little kids and they were like stair step. And I used to get asked like, do you run a daycare? <laughs> are they all yours? Like I was, like, I don't know, but I had a woman come up to me and she, I think I disciplined one of the kids or like stopped and like corrected. Was corrected. Yeah. Um, and she came up to me a little later and she just said, I've, I've been watching you in the store and I just want to tell you you're doing a really good job. Mm. And like, I almost started crying cause it was like one of those hard days, but like right. we should do that for each other.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, it sounds like to what you were saying is just like having a teachable spirit. Yeah. You know, is is really important. But on the flip side of that, I wanted to ask you this. So yes and amen, like um especially in our church, like the older should teach the younger, like that's a a real um biblical principle. I know uh one of the struggles that we've talked about with younger parents and that we experienced ourselves is being bombarded with unsolicited advice. Yeah. Now, we want to be humble and we want to be teachable. Sometimes being bombarded with unsolicited advice about parenting philosophies can be challenging. Yep. How do we deal with that?
1: I actually think this wasn't with parenting. It was with a different issue. It was like a discipleship issue, I think. But I remember, you, I think it was you that challenged me. Someone had kind of said something about something I had done, and I felt really kind of hurt and like, "Is this true? Like, what is going on?" And you just said, "You know, you need you need to just pray about that. And if it's true in your life, then repent, make a change. That's f- it's fine. Like, mm-hmm. te- be teachable. But if it's not true, that's okay. Like, just." Listen and then let it go. And I think that can be true. It's easier said than done in parenting um, or with any issue. But I think of that same thing. Like it's okay to take a piece of advice, weigh it. And if it's not something that's helpful for you, I mean, it's, I mean, it's good to think about it and pray about it. Like, is this something that I need to be reproved on? Mm-hmm. Um, do I need to make a change? But if it's not, then you can just let it go.
0: Right. I think the other thing, too, that we, I know we've talked about is all advice. um, You can look for, okay, what's the principle here? But in terms of the practice, so let's say it's, um, let's say it's uh, somebody says, you know, when your kids are little, you have to let them cry it out to do sleep training. Okay, well, that's something that we did and it worked for us. Yep. Um, but we know other families that, that just didn't work with their kid right. and their kid would scream until they vomited. Right. Um, and so like you have to be able to go, okay, that's a good advice. It's probably worked for a lot of people and I can listen to it, maybe even give it a shot, but have the freedom to go. That's a chosen practice, not necessarily a principle. And I'm not the same mom as them.
2: And, and my kids yeah.
0: aren't the same kids. Right. And so we've talked about that a lot, too, where it's like when it comes to parenting um, is every kid is different and you have to be secure enough in Christ and not pr- trying to perform for anybody's approval in your parenting to go, yeah, I'm, I'm free to listen to whatever advice, but I have to make a decision based on who my kid actually is because right. they're a unique individual.
1: I think there's two like the the two ditches. Mm -hmm. Like one is like this ultra pressure like oh I have to do it this way or like trying to prove trying to prove it or like it's only this way. It can only be this way. Super rigid. Yeah. And then the other ditch though happens too. like I'm just not open to I'm not teachable Mm -hmm. or I'm not even thinking of the principles. (laughs) Sure. Like right the sleep at the cry it out, the principle of that, whether you do the practice a different way, the principle is like you're trying to build good sleep habits in your child's life and in your life. And like self-soothing, it's important for them to learn how to put themselves to sleep, you know, to sleep well. And um, But yeah, there's other ways maybe that you need to do that. But if you don't look at the, if you're so insecure, maybe... That I won't look at the, the principle, then you can miss. That can be another ditch, mm-hmm. and so it's important to look at the principle, and have that teachable heart, without, like holding so tightly onto things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and making slavish rules about things that aren't intended to be slavish right. rules.
2: Um,
1: it's supposed to be in freedom, right? And health and and joy. Yep. And it is important to train habits in our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have really good ways that they do that. And I still talk to moms about how do you do this? What does that look like? Um, it just means we might implement it differently. Yep. And I've learned really good principles and really good actually practices that we've done mm-hmm. from other people. So yeah.
0: what's a, a final thing you would want to say to young moms um, at our church and anybody else listening um, you're in that phase 25 to 35 two small kids in that ballpark
1: yeah this too shall pass (laughs) 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 I do I mean it's like all as as kind of cliche as it becomes like enjoy these years enjoy Mm. the little years it is true Um, it's it can be really fun. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. And, um, but I think having your identity secure, your identity is not in mom. It's an important role, but Mm -hmm. it's not your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, that allows you to have those fun days and times and then to treasure those and to remember, I think remembering like, God has brought you through other things and he will bring you through this. Mm -hmm. And so remembering the past to help you get through the tough days and treasuring some of the really memorable and joyous and life-giving times to carry you through hard times and remember what it's for.
0: Amen. I feel like the thing I would want to say just as a pastor to that group of women is just to remember that like ultimately you're not in control.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and these, these kiddos, as much as you love them, and there's this illusion of control when they're two.
1: Especially, that, You know, yeah.
0: When they're little, there's kind of an illusion of control that will little by little go away as they get bigger. Um, but just, man, you're not in control, so what does that mean? What that means is it's not all up to you. Yeah. And you're just called to do your best and you're going to have good days and you're going to have really bad days and it's okay. Like God's grace is enough for you no matter what kind of a day you had. And how many times have we gone to bed just like, oh my word,
1: are
2: we going to make,
0: it? I just, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, but ultimately, you know, one of my best friends just reminds me, man, you just got to cling to new mercies every morning, Yeah, you know, and there's new mercies every morning. And. And some days you just got to go to bed, yeah and I, it's going to be a better day tomorrow, and uh, we're doing this for the long haul but but that's what I would want to say it's not all up to you, so you can um, you can just take a deep breath, knowing that um, as you submit to the Lord and pursue your joy in him, things usually one way or the other get worked out, and um, it's not all up to you, so you're free to do your best.
1: Yeah, it's kind of that resting. Rest in the Lord. Mm. Like, fill yourself up with him. Right. And then you have something to overflow. Amen. In, to your children. Yep. Um, but yeah, there there's this resting in the Lord and waiting on him. And not, I think of Galatians 6, 9. Don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that harvest looks like with our kids. And that's the trust in the Lord. But I think we do have that promise of don't give up. Like, don't become weary. He will be your strength.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. Kim and I have the practice of always wanting to get the last word. (laughs) And we both tend towards being... I have one more thing. No, no. I have one more (laughs) little nuanced comment that I want to (laughs) nuance whatever you said. And so actually, I'm going to let her have the last word. That was very well said, Kim. And I must say that uh, you're my favorite guest we've ever had. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: This has been the second episode of the Vine Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. You can do that at thevinemadison.org. And we look forward to some more engaging Vine conversations coming very soon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.